Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic is abdominal pain, a biopsychosocial approach to improving outcomes. My guest is Dr. Craig Friesen. Dr. Friesen is the Division Director of Gastroenterology at Children's Mercy Kansas City. He also serves as the Medical Director of Abdominal Pain and is a Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Friesen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's just start off with you know, how, how prevalent is chronic abdominal pain in children? Well, it's the most prevalent, actually, chronic pain syndrome that exists in children. At any point in time, um, approximately 15 to 20 percent of kids will report that they've been having pain for at least the last three months, um, you know, significant enough to interfere with activity. Um, There are some uh, groups like uh, young adolescent females where that prevalence is up as high as as 30 percent. So So why isn't there a... No, no, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. That's fine. Yeah, and, and those have been really consistent numbers that have been studies that have been over, done over a number of decades in, in um, multiple countries, and they all tend to settle out at about those same kinds of numbers. So. Okay. Well, why, why isn't there a, a clear uh, agreement among medical professionals about you know, how to best treat and manage uh, chronic abdominal pain in kids? Well, quick answer is there really hasn't been as much research as you would think there would be for something that's so prevalent. And most of the research that's been done has been looking at really narrow aspects. For example, how often do children have depression or anxiety? Um, How often do they have a motility problem? But very few studies have really looked at this um, in given patients for all the factors that may be operative. And not very often is it just a single thing such as anxiety that's, that's creating pain in children. Usually it's a combination of inflammation in the intestines plus motility plus the environment plus sort of what's going on in, in the brains and how they think about things. And given the complexity of it, these really narrow views that have been done in, in the few studies that do exist just haven't given us an accurate picture that allows us to take care of the patient in front of us. Since we don't have like a clear agreement and, and we're missing some of that research, what you know, when should a a general practitioner, a, a general pediatrician, refer a patient with chronic um, abdominal pain to Children's Mercy? Are there, are there some red flags that you that if we see these signs and symptoms, boom, we're off to Children's Mercy? Yeah, I think you know, in the first visit, there are certainly signs that would say don't even do work up or take a shot at it. And, you know, for the most part, those are, um, uh, the big ones are going to be if there's any bleeding, so kids who are throwing up blood or passing blood in their stools, uh, those would need to be referred early um, to get testing done. Um, Children who have lost weight, uh, intractable vomiting, intractable diarrhea, really if the symptoms other than abdominal pain are particularly severe, those are things that in general um, should get patients referred. I also think that you know one of those red flags ought to be kids who are not functioning. So if you're not able to attend school, attend activities, and do the normal things that we expected of a child, those are things where I think referral early um, is better um, before the children get really debilitated. Uh, 
those children really require a lot of services that, frankly, are, there just isn't time to um, you know, perform for those kids in a, in a time allotted in a usual pediatrician's office. Right. So at, uh, at Children's Mercy, uh, you use a biopsychosocial social approach to chronic pain. Can you, can you tell us about this approach, um, the success of it, and maybe even walk us through uh, you know, what a patient and, and the family will experience when they come to Children's Mercy? Yeah, the, in, in short, the biopsychosocial um, model of abdominal pain states which is intuitive in the name, that there's biological factors, psychological factors, and social factors that are contributing to um, symptom generation and, and really the disease state and the disability um, associated with the abdominal pain. Um, what we know is that those, all three of those factors exist in most children, and they interact with each other. You know, the traditional medical approach has really, for the most part, involved looking for those biological or those medical um, factors. So what's the diagnosis? And in the event that there isn't a diagnosis found or patients don't respond to treatment, then the approach is to assume that it's psychosocial and refer them on for counseling. And, you know, this approach is, is, really, uh, is really fragmented and for the most part doesn't work. You know, the patients read that as, you couldn't find something, so now you think I'm crazy. And what we know is that it, it's probably all three of those. So, you know, this model really says stop looking for you know, the biological answer or the psychological answer or the social answer, you know, what's going on at school, what's going on, on at the home, because in the end, you're probably not going to be able to isolate it to one event. And those things are so interactive. So, for example, if patients have anxiety, um, we should ask the question, why do they get abdominal pain? I would venture guess that all people, and certainly all adolescents, have some degree of anxiety, but why do some get abdominal pain, some get headaches, and some get no pain as association with it. So there are some factors that go on in, in the gut as part of that, and um, anxiety itself will create dysmotility, will create inflammation. Um, those, in turn, can you know, create chemicals that actually create an anxiety reaction. And so at the end of the day, these things are so interrelated that it's virtually impossible to separate them out or to say, here's the one key factor for this patient. And so our model, or how we've instituted that model here, is that we don't worry so much about looking for the one cause, but we really try to identify all the psychological, all the social, and all the biological factors that are contributing in a given patient and go after them all at once. And we feel like this has really been the key to having good outcomes in these patients. Um, and, and certainly I think it's more honest or accurate about what's really going on in a patient. Um, you know, if you come into Children's Mercy, the first visit here is going to last um, anywhere from one and a half to two and a half hours. Um, patients will come in and we collect a large amount of information um, from key markers. So they end up filling out a lot of paperwork for us, but um, those really assess a number of factors. So one, there's the symptoms, which are going to be the part that's my main job within this is okay, are there diagnoses we're missing, um, and what treatment based on their symptoms, um, or what biological factors may be active that we um, can go after with, with medications. We also c collect data on just the general um, psychobehavioral um, aspects for, for a given patient. So is 
do they have depression? Do they have anxiety? Um, do they have anxiety about school, um, relationships with peers, with teachers? So kind of a broad psychosocial look at, at what's going on. Um, we collect data on how they're functioning, how they cope, um, how their parents interact with them when they're having pain. Is that in a way that's generally going to be helpful to decrease the pain or one that may uh, continue to propagate um, pain behaviors? Um, we collect measures on sleep because we know sleep impacts all biological and psychosocial factors and, and again, becomes a target that we're going to deal with. Um, all those questionnaires outside of medical are generally assessed by my partner, which is Dr. Jennifer Sherman. And so we collect all of this data, have a meeting, and we put together a plan for those patients. And then we see them together uh, for that first visit and explain sort of what we think is going on for each piece of this model, how they interact with each other, and put together a plan for them on how we're going to go after um, trying to get control of, of this pain. Now, from a, uh, my interest has really been in um, unusual forms of or sort of novel forms of inflammation, and they're mendable, and so eosinophils and mast cells in the gut are uh, the significant focus of how we treat this along with sort of visceral hypersensitivity. Um, we use a lot of biofeedback-assisted relaxation training. So we found that even those children that don't have measurable anxiety, they tend to respond to medications better um, if we do something to try to control stress hormones as part of this. So in the end, you know, that model as we play it out is to look for all of the biological, psychological, psychological, and social factors and to go after all of them from the first visit um, going forward. Um, we then follow them up and keep that, that model going through and, and make our adjustments. You know, for us, that has been, um, uh, we think, a very effective. I did this before the model existed in the kind of the old medical model, and I can tell you mm-hmm. this, this approach is way more successful, and certainly right. patient satisfaction is much higher, and, and the ability of those children to cope is much better. Um, we track outcomes in all patients, and what we know is on the first follow-up visit, which can be anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks after that initial one, depending on the disability of the children. Um, 50, we have a 56% response rate. By six weeks, mm-hmm. when we look at it in that fashion, um, we have a response rate of between 70 and 80%. Wow. Um, there are no national standards for what they do. We've, you know, the natural history of, of chronic abdominal pain in children, if you just reassure them and don't intervene, is that over 50% will have pain that, that progresses into adulthood. Um, other centers are reporting approximately a 50% response rate at 12 months. So you know, this really does seem to be a model that plays yes. out. Nice. Um, and I think it's unique to this facility. There are not many places that have a GI doc and a psychologist walk into the patient's room on the first visit and, right. <laughs> you know, with a comprehensive plan. So, Well, Dr. Friesen, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing at Children's Mercy, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. You are listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Have a great day.